there. We're live from the NASDAQ market site on this frigid January Friday. The guys here getting ready behind me. In the meantime, here's what's coming up on the show. Selling high is exactly what Mike Coe is doing with energy stocks. He'll tell you why he thinks the ride might be over and how you should trade it if you do too. Plus, Dan Nathan says that's exactly how you should feel about Netflix stock. He'll break down how he's playing the name after the stock's epic run. And earnings season is almost here. But don't worry, the guys are here to help you bushwhack your way through the thick of it. Starting with the banks. The Chartmaster will explain what he sees that has him pushing the sell button. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. We start right there in the thick of the jungle of earnings season. The big banks will be kicking off all the action with the big moves expected from the likes of J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, and Citi all on deck. And it's been a rough run for the sector, still hovering near bear market territory, down just about 20% from its highs. And the chartmaster says there could be even more pain ahead. Carter's over at the plasma to break it down. Hey, Carter. Sure. I mean, correlations run to almost one when you have an epic sell-off and an epic ricochet. And so the behavior of this group isn't really, frankly, much different than the market overall. But there are some things that stand out to me that would suggest it's better to fade it here uh, than anything else. Here is a uh, five, six-year chart. It's of the XLF. And uh, one thing, you can see it before I draw it, is you have a well-defined uptrend line and you have a break in trend. So let's put that trend line in. And there's no question what has happened here, right? After being quite precisely trading on this trend line, you have broken. Um, now, keep that in your mind's eye, and let's look at, more importantly, relative performance. Here's the same chart. You can draw those same circles. You can show the break in trend. And yet, what's really important is this. We know that we are nowhere near where we were back at the election two years ago, but look at the relative performance, because this is, speaks to the Trump bump. It's all gone, right? Now, same chart, and now I'm going to put in some circles. That circle is the day of the presidential election in 2016. There's the alpha. It lasted for six weeks, and basically financials have been underperforming on a relative basis and have undone all of the relative performance. That's a fairly negative circumstance, both absolute and relative. In terms of the XLF here and now itself. This is actually the chart. Here is how I think you can draw the lines. And what we have is the reciprocal, right? When you're in a downtrend and you walk along a line, once you break that line, rallying back to said line is an inherently difficult level. And the bet here is that we do what these arrows are suggesting. I'm a seller of XLF. Pretty clear where Carter stands. Mike, what's a trade? Yeah, so I, I think this is a situation where if you were looking at most of the names that are in the XLF, you know, we'll exclude Berkshire Hathaway, which is basically the largest XLF constituent. But all the others are basically the big banks, the money center banks, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, City, Wells Fargo, all of which are trading at 10 times forward earnings, give or take, or less. It's hard to press shorts with the stock, but they technically look disastrous right here. So I think one of the things you want to do is just hedge your bets a little bit. I was looking at the March 24, 22 put spread. You could buy those March 24 puts for about 67 cents when I was looking at these earlier today. Sell the 22s against it for 22 cents. Net, net, you're spending 45 cents. We often talk about the relationship between how much premium you're spending and the distance between the strikes. This is less than a quarter of the distance between the strikes here. 
risking give or take about 2% of the current level of the underlying for a trade that would bet on a downward move of about 10% over the course of the next 60 plus days. Is that kind of what you're looking right, at? Right, giving back a good deal of the ricochet. Also something we had some news out today from Jefferies, right? They're uh, Cash equities trading down 9%, fixed income down 14 That's not the kind of thing you want to be hearing just before other big uh, broker-dealers are going into earnings. Yeah, I would just mention that if you want to think about 2018, the market kind of made two new highs, and it traded very volatilely in between those two highs in January and September. But there was one group that literally, if you just kind of focused on all year, and I think this show did, we wanted to sell every rally in the banks. And what happened when the market finally just collapsed in December, these banks uh, led to the downside including J.P. Morgan, best of breed, all that sort of stuff. So when I think about Mike's trade, he's given himself a couple months out to March expiration. He's defined a range that kind of really lines up with, with Carter's charts here, and he's paying less than a quarter of the width of the spread. So I really like the options trade. Um, Risk-reward seems pretty favorable, especially given how much time you have. You know, left. the other thing I would point out, especially this goes back to those fundamentals because people often will take a look at how things have done on a trailing basis and say that that somehow gives you an indication that that means it's time to buy. Actually, the opposite is often true. When you take a look at business cycles, you're often going to find that right before things get worse, you're going to see things trade at cheaper valuations. That's the equity market's signal to you that what has been going on isn't necessarily what's going to continue. Obviously, valuations by themselves alone are telling you that there's risk if the market volatility we've seen hasn't done that for you already. Right. I just I would point out that, again, there's almost no difference between one financial chart and another this particular moment, right? They all have the, the simultaneous clap, which is the case for equities in general, and they all have the simultaneous ricochet. It's just a function of beta, right? And we can talk about that later at some point in the show because there are other things that will relate to this. The more beta you have, the more sort of small cap you are, the bigger the bounce. And that is uh, symptomatic of, frankly, a junk rally. And the bigger the decline. Yeah, meaning, it, no, no, I mean the ricochet, the, the bigger, the lower quality you are, right. the bigger the ricochet. The higher sure. the beta, the smaller the cap. And that's almost been uniform throughout this entire move. All right, moving on. It is not just the banks. Netflix is gearing up for earnings next week. And Wall Street has been binging on the stock with three big upgrades in the new year. Shares are up more than 40% since its December lows. But Dan says, don't chase the streaming giant. So what are you doing into earnings? I think that's the main story is not to chase it. So you had this sentiment shift very quickly over the last month or so. The stock is up 45% since Christmas Eve. It's up 26% on the year. And I think it's important to note that this company or this stock actually topped out way back in late June and had a 45% peak to trough decline there. So we kind of got to this point where maybe there's a little bit of equilibrium, except for the fact that the stock has gone straight up in a straight line. I'll let Carter speak to that. That's my scribbling right there. That looks to me like some sort of epic head and shoulders top right now with a neckline well, well below a level that it just bounced off of down near, I don't know, 250 or 260, whatever that is. So here's the thing. You know, one of the things that's driven this story has been subscriber ads. They're getting a disproportionate amount of those ads right now from internet. Internationally, um, I think expectations for about seven and a half million internationally, 1.8 million ads here in the U.S. And this stock has been very sensitive to misses on that front. So when you think about all the content spend, I know that's a big part of the bear case. I think they spent $10 billion on original content last year. That makes up less than 8% of their entire catalog. And this year is the year that I think bears may get 
that Thanos snap. Some of you Marvel guys will understand what that is because you're going to have Disney leave in their own streaming service, pull all their Star Wars stuff, all their Marvel stuff. You're going to have Time Warner or Warner Media that owns HBO now. They're going to take that stuff off. So at some point, this increased spend on original content, and they have negative free cash flow of 3 to $4 billion on that $10 billion. This could be the year. So when I think about earnings next week, the options market is implying about a 10% move in either direction. That's rich to the 7.5% move that it's had over the last four quarters. I do not think you want to chase this. And if you're feeling a bit, I don't know, sporty here, and you want to play for a retracement of some of this recent move, I think put spreads in February expiration line up pretty well. So today when the stock was trading at 338, you could buy the February 330, 270 put spread paying 15 bucks for that. You're buying one of the 330 puts for 20 bucks. You're selling one of the 270 puts in February at five bucks. It costs you $15. Your break even down at 315. You can make up to $45 between 315 and 270. Now here's the key thing. You have a month. So if you get that initial move wrong, I wanna go back and tell you guys, a couple quarters last year where they had these big gap openings, the stock closed on its lows and went down a lot. So that's why I want to target February expiration. I'm risking $15, okay, that's just a couple percent of the stock price here, or a few percent of the stock price to possibly make three times my money. I like the risk reward here. I like the fact that it's up on a spike, and I hate that chart. What do you think? Yeah, right. So it's that counter trend rally. So just to put, the, which we all know, if you sell off 45%, which is what it did, and now you're back 47%, that doesn't cut it. If you sell off 45, you've got to go up 75 to get back to where you were. It's one heck of a ricochet. It looks extended on the ricochet basis, and you see a very nice head and shoulder. Oh, so top. Hey, listen, if, you, if you ever need an assistant, buddy. That's right. Wow. All these years, you really yeah. caught on. I mean, this is, a, this is one of those situations where if you're just taking a look, I mean, you spoke to it, the narrative and the negative free cash flow, right? So for as long as the narrative holds up, that's when you have these situations where someone says is trading at 50 times forward earnings. They have negative free cash flow. How can it possibly continue to go up? And then you see good subscriber growth numbers. That fits the bull's narrative. Um, you continue to see them evolve their business model slightly with the content creation, things like that. That fits the bull's narrative. What happens, though, in circumstances when that does start to break, and all it takes is one instance, is you could see a swift and steep downdraft. One of the largest bearish bets I was ever a part of was actually in Netflix back in my days at Canner. And that's what happened. The, basically, the top was in, it cracked, and it was an abysmal bear move in the stock. And I think that the only way you really can try to do that, because you're trying to time this, this is a timing type of a trade, is to use put spreads right here. This is a name that can move a lot, it will likely move a lot, and the options are fairly expensive. That's word. Yeah, the Thanos snap at the end well, of the what, Infinity I don't, Wars. I don't know what that, Thanos oh, snap, killed he half. got all the stones, half the universe. He killed kaput. half of it. Just so like that's that. what's going to go on. That's what Disney, all these guys are going to take this content, it's going to go away. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, you can check out our newsletter. The weather may be cooling off, but this newsletter, oh, it's hot, hot, hot. Here's what's coming up next. No, we didn't start the fire in energy stocks, but oil did. And if you think the crude comeback is overdone, Mike Coe will break down the best way to profit. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Energy falling today, but still the top performing sector so far in 2019. But according to Mike Coe, the energy rally could be losing steam, and he's got a way to bet the hot trade has topped out. He's over at the plasma with a call to action. Mike. 
Sure. So obviously, anybody who's been paying any attention to the tail end of last year and the first part of this year, we've seen a great deal of volatility in the energy space. And one of the reasons, of course, was crude falling down to about 41 bucks. And it's obviously when crude starts to move a lot, the entire sector is going to move a whole lot. One of the things we like to do when volatility gets higher is sell it. So we're going to take a look at selling a call spread here. We're trying to sell the higher implied volatility that we've been seeing recently. The other thing I would point out is that we've already seen some very sharp moves. We've seen a steep decline in energy, a steep decline in oil prices, and then a fairly sharp ricochet off the bottom. If you were going to make go back in time, you wanted to bet on big moves, you want to buy premium. But once a lot of those moves have started to take place, we're actually going to try to collect some premium on more modest moves. The other thing is that selling call spreads typically has a higher probability of profit. So in the case of the one that we're looking at here, we're hoping that there's probably maybe a 70% probability of profit. We can take a quick look at XLE here. XLE, the biggest constituents of XLE are the big integrated names. XLE overall has a very <coughs> high correlation with oil prices. So that's essentially what we're going to be looking at. If you're selling a call spread on this, it's a little bit like selling a call spread on oil. So just taking a quick look at the trade here. I'm looking at February. Earlier today when I was looking at this, you could sell the February 64 calls. You could collect a dollar for those. And then to hedge that bet, you're buying the 65 calls for 68 cents. Net-net, you're collecting 32 cents. This call, for those who are paying attention to such things as Greeks, and you're looking at your own machines and trying to figure out which one we're looking at, that one was about a 34 delta call or so when I was looking at this. That also gives you some sense of the probability that that option is going to end up expiring in the money. But of course, it would have to be higher than that by the amount of money we collected before you actually see losses on a trade like this. So I think whenever you have a situation where you've had these sharp moves, option premiums are still elevated, but you now think that you can basically fade the rally or that there might be a bit of a cap on it. This is one of those situations. We don't see huge demand growth in oil, but we do have some information we didn't previously have with respect to OPEC cuts and maybe some ceiling potentially on how much oil might be coming out of the Permian. And that's going to create that situation where I think we could get to these levels and maybe bounce off of it. This is also a level where oil, we're getting very close to it now, where it had broken down previously. Dan's got a question. Yeah, so Mike, you highlighted that you want to sell a call spread because implied volatility, the price of options in the XLE is elevated. Um, and that makes sense. But you're also making a bearish bet. How do you think about selling call spreads when you want to be bearish, when you're really convicted? Like, how do you think about conviction level um, for a strategy like this? You know, that's a great point. And it was actually, if we could go back to those original bullets, that actually will speak to it a little bit. You know, this is a situation where if you take a look at where crude has already come from, the biggest portion of that move had already taken place, right? So we saw from maybe 70 bucks down to 41 bucks and change. Then we've seen a bounce off of that. It has been a sharp bounce, but in the context of where oil has been over the course of the last 52 weeks, most of that move has been made. So the real question is, where do we think crude and obviously all of the stocks that are associated with it, where do we think those things are going to trade? And I think what I'm saying here is that this bounce that we've seen in crude prices probably anything we see further from here is relatively modest. And I also suspect that that V that we put in at the bottom is probably some level of support, although that's something Carter should probably speak to. So my guess is that what we're really doing here is we're fading crude, but not in a huge way. Right. So that's when you start to look at things like selling a call spread. Otherwise, buying puts is the answer. So one thing here, I mean, if one is betting on crude and uh, sort of energy stocks fading, falling, not maintaining the ricochet, 
if you think about OIH is really the beta trade, right? So from the low, XLE is up eight, OIH, the drillers, is up double, 16, and crude oil is up 25, meaning it all as would be expected. Is OIH uh, something you'd also short, or in a way, uh, maybe a more dynamic play? It's a question, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I was sitting, I was sitting here uh, right. busy trying well, to erase o- these lines. What do you think of OIH here as a, as a, as a fade as well, meaning it's the higher beta uh, sort of yeah, part so of the, the energy Yeah, and that actually also goes to Dan's point, right? So when we look at XLE and crude and how those two track together, they are very, <laughs> very closely correlated. In terms of the percentage moves we're likely to see, they're going to be similar. You know, one of the things you could do is you could also look to make a bearish bet in OIH. And if you were going to do that, using a put spread might be a better way to do it. For one thing, the higher beta names tend to be more levered. More levered names move more violently when the fundamental drivers cause them to. So that's a circumstance where you probably look to buy put spreads. But also like XLE and also like crude itself, the options are going to be expensive there. So spreads are going to be the way to make that trade. All right, coming up, big gains in the small caps, up almost 15% since December low. So how should you play this move higher? We will discuss that ahead. Plus, got a question? Good, because our traders have got answers. We are taking your tweets later in the show. You can hit us at Options Action on Twitter, and we'll do our best to answer them. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more Options Action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Last month, Mike and Carter bet that small caps were gearing up for a big comeback. Three drawdowns of the past decade. You can see them here. They're very clear. Let's put a big circle around this one. Down 31% in 2011. Down 27 in 15, 16. And here we are, a peak to trough decline of 27. Versus the S&P, 20. So the issue is, would you rather play these for a catch-up trade to the overall market? That's the bet that I want to make. So what I was looking at was the February 115, 140 risk reversal. You could spend $1.25 to buy that. Well, they were right. The IWM ETF that tracks the small caps up 9% since the time of the trade. So, uh, Mike and Carter, what are you guys doing now? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll let him speak to whether we want to press a bullish bet on IWM as a relative trade. But we actually did send out a tweet about this one yesterday uh, and close it for about $6.30, so very close to a, to a three-bagger. The issue here was that the put that we were short was now only $0.15, cents, and I have no interest in being short a $0.15 cent put on the indices here. And the other was that the call option that we were long is now in the money. So one of the benefits that options offer you is convexity. That is, you can make more to the upside than you can lose to the downside. When they're very deep in the money, they actually behave like stock, and that isn't what we were looking for here. So if you're inclined, and you can tell us whether one should be, you could take those profits and roll out if you're so inclined. Well, I mean, is, I just took the money. This is sort of the theme of the whole show in the sense that the ricochet is always going to be highest in the lowest quality and or highest beta. So as a point here, this is up 50% more than the S&P. At this point, though, everything has bounced too far, and I think you take the money and run. All right. Also last month, Dan bet Procter & Gamble's big run was coming to an end. I look at this on a valuation basis. I look at that chart right there. I say to myself, would I play for a breakout here knowing what I know about the global economy, knowing about the strength of the dollar, knowing about investors' focus on valuation? I'd say no. I could buy the January 90, 82 and a half put spread, paying $1.50 for that, buying one of the January uh, 90 puts at $1.90, selling one of the 82 and a half puts at 40 cents. 
Shares of P&G tanking in the days following, but have since recovered. So, Dan, what do you do with P&G here? Yeah, so this is a tough one. You know, I got some resistance on this trade idea from Carter. Um, I think also maybe on Mike on the structure. I think I was a little aggressive on the width of the spread, and the timing was a little bit short. But like you said, you remember the uh, Christmas Day massacre that we saw in the stock market? This stock went down from about 92 when we put the trade on to about 87. The trade was worth a little more than 4 bucks at that point. And so in a name like this, when you get to the midpoint of a spread this wide so short you kind of have to take it off so now here we are one week to expiration it cost a dollar fifty it's worth about 45 cents you're really only dealing with that long put at this point um, i think you have to cut your losses if you still have this on because the likelihood if we don't have another big three four percent decline which i don't think is a high probability event over the next week that this thing's going to be a total loser you know the thing i would point out about this trade and is i don't know what i said about it at the time but what has proven to be true since is that when you look at the puts you sell, look at them as a percentage of the premium you're buying. And so selling those puts actually proved to help you out a lot here. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Time for the final call, Carter Braxton-Worth. Financials, I think you fade them going into earnings. XLF, short. Mike Coe. XLF, the March 24-22 put spread is your way to play that bearish bet. Dan Nathan. Yeah, so Netflix reports next week. Obviously, I have no idea what they're going to do, but if they guide down uh, and they miss subscribers, the stock's going down back towards 300. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great weekend. In the meantime, Mad Money starts right now. <laughs>